Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Talk about podcasts. Welcome to the Center for Technological Innovation and Entrepreneurship podcast. My name is Joana Madara Prada and I'll be your host. In this episode, we are going to talk about the world of investment and investors. To walk the trenches, this is how Sofia Sanch, a venture capital investor, refers to her work, being out in the field, looking for investment opportunities and projects with potential working closely with universities, startup incubators and companies to find entrepreneurs with the right ambition, understand their needs, support them in their very early stages and advise them on portfolio development. With 14 years of professional experience, Sofia is a partner at Faber Ventures, a Portuguese VC fund. Here she had access to some of the most promising startups in Portugal, such as Unbabel, Codacy, Cedars and O19. Currently, Sofia Sanchi is setting up FaberTech2, a new early-stage fund focusing on next-generation data-centric software ventures, which will include pre-series A and B2B SaaS companies. With the deep knowledge of the Portuguese startup ecosystem, Sofia Sanchi is going to talk to us about VC funding and its purpose, the role of entrepreneurs and investors in a funding round, the importance of transparency, and why a company is not always VC-compatible. Sofia, thank you for being here with us. So let me start um, by asking, what is the proposal of venture capital industry? Uh, hi, Joanna. Thank you uh, for inviting me. And also I want to thank uh, to Pierre and Catolica for having this initiative. I think it will be hopefully very useful and helpful for newcomers to the entrepreneurship um, world. So going to your question, the purpose of the VC industry, well, basically it's about filling the gap of um, tradition that traditional funding has in backing high-risk, high-profit uh, companies. So the purpose of VC industry is basically funding innovation companies that are working on breakthrough solutions and new technology and they need time and money to go to market and to be able to make some revenue or to make profit they need time so it can take a long time until going to market and they need the money and someone who accepts the risk to help them develop the product technology so basically it's working with a lot of unknowns and the high prob probability of failing So, and you can see VC industry usually is related to technology, but it's technology in a broad sense. So it can be software, hardware, biotech, life sciences. So venture capital industry is basically to fund the newcomers, the new breakthrough technologies that eventually in the future will be part of the, your daily life, but we always work 10 years in advance or more. Okay. And uh, regarding literacy for venture capital, um, and sometimes it can be confusing, what is venture capital and what different kinds of venture capital exist? Uh, because, you know, we always talk about venture capital, but there are also uh, business angels. What can you um, explain uh, uh, okay. about this? 
Okay, yeah, venture capital industry, it's a very small industry compared to others, but it has a lot of uh, different ways of working and also there's a lack of transparency. So it's not easy to have access to information about the industry. And we have a lot of players and different players, um, like you were mentioning the business angels, who are part of the industry, but usually they are wealthy individuals or entrepreneurs that fund, want to fund and back other entrepreneurs. And they invest at the earliest stage. So usually they are co-investing or alongside the family and friends money. Uh, they invest their own money. So there's always a personal motivation or because they are part of the industry or feel a strong connection with entrepreneurs. So it's more an emotional type of bond that they make with the, the, the company. Um, and they are the catalyzers, the first catalyzers of the, the business. Um, they are not necessarily looking for the same returns and goals that the VCs are looking for. So it's, um, it's the beginning of the value chain of the, the, this industry and they have a very, very important role, especially in the beginning and as an advisors and um, catalyzers, as I was mentioning, of this in the, um, industry and the first the, at the earliest stage of the, um, of the companies. VC firms are more like our teams that are working on a professional basis to deploy capital into the best opportunities in this asset class. So they are, they are at, at the intersection of technology and financing. They are professionally operating to uh, and committed to um, return to make returns on their investments, and they have investors th themselves, like funds of funds or family office of pension funds or even um, corporates that invest in the fund in order to have their money managed and to help them to deploy the capital in the best opportunities at um, the moment and during those years, uh, usually 10 years, it's a time frame of 10 years, um, and they are managing those investments for someone. So they, VCs also invest their money, so the GP, the general partner, um, they invest their money, but it's a it's part of the commitment with the fund, but they usually are managing large amounts of money for other people. So it's a huge responsibility. Um, they are committed in the long term, which, which means usually they have, whenever they invest in a company, they will stick to the company at least for five, six, seven years or more. So it's, it's a long-term relation. And they also have that relation with their LPs, limited partners or investors. So, um, and within the VC firms, you also have different strategies and a clear differentiation, namely by stage uh, of investment, the early stage, the late stage, the focus and thesis. So you have different VCs that invest in different type of technologies, like what I was mentioning, software, hardware, life sciences, biotech, and also geography so it matters the, the money the vc money always has um, a geography behind it usually um, so in terms of stage you have uh, the early stage the main difference is the early stage 
uh, and the late growth and late stage. I work at the pre-series A stage, so it's the earliest stage. That's uh, where we are at the moment at Faber. And that difference, usually you can see that because it's related to the size of the fund. So the later the stage you invest in, the bigger the fund. The larger the funds you have, the larger funds usually invest across the board. They also can invest from seed um, at seed stage if they want to, and they can go to pre-IPO stage. The VCs also invest per technology focus. So you have, as I was mentioning, VC funds in, that are investing in technology solutions at large, and you have others that are investing within a specific focus. And again, uh, larger and global brands can build large teams so they can invest in multiple fields and topics. And usually they have specialized partners and teams investing in specific fields. So that's how large funds operate. At Faber, we are a micro VC fund, an emerging fund. So we are very uh, focused on pre-seed uh, and seed stage. And we have a specific, very specific focus also. Because when you're such, at such a, a stage and as, and as a small fund, if you want to invest and manage the risk of the investment in the best way you can and help your portfolio, somehow we believe we need to focus and specialize. And if you do everything and you do every stage, every type of technology and every type of uh, industry, it can be difficult to add value. So that's our positioning, but there's a, a lot of different approaches to that. Yeah, I would like to ask you, uh, because you are talking about Faber, what is the reality of venture capital industry in Portugal? Uh, are we moving towards more specialization as Faber is? Uh, what's your opinion about that? Well, in Portugal, you have um, like in other countries, and especially when you're talking about emerging geographies in this, in this industry, such as South of Europe, for instance, you have um, a very recent industry, but you have most of the, the VCs and the corporate VCs are focusing right now at the earliest stage, because it's also because it's the type of market that you have, the type of market dynamic. Um, and most of them are pretty much investing at large in software and technology, uh, on consumer and business, on consumer business, but also uh, on enterprise uh, value propositions. So we look to uh, at uh, corporate VCs, we see a uh, some kind of specialization because corporate VCs tend to focus on specific industries and sectors that are aligned with their own strategy as a corporation. So clearly you can find a, a specific focus and theme and thesis. In Portugal, we still see a lot of gen generic approach. I think it's part of the, the type of market that we have. And also, I believe, more the stage that defines the strategy of the fund. We've decided to specialize because it's part of our vision and also the way we've been learning and the way we've been understanding the market. So we started in 2013 also with a more experimental approach. So we were a startup fund and we still are. 
and we were experimenting with the trends at the time. So mobile, cloud, e-commerce, new marketplaces, online marketplaces. And we built a 19 portfolio, a portfolio of 19 companies. And with that in mind and with all the learnings that we had and also taking into consideration the market that we are investing in, which is Portugal and South of Europe, and also uh, understanding that the trends and what's happening, we know that at the moment we are in a movement towards the automation, artificial intelligence and machine learning type of applications and we are on the path and navigating, the technology is navigating uh, a lot of uh, challenges to move towards that. but. To achieve that artificial intelligence and automation, we need to uh, tackle a lot of challenges, namely regarding data. That's why we, at the moment, we believe that focusing on data-centric startups and everything related with collecting the data, gathering the data, managing data, um, understanding how to provide quality data and all the data stack technologies that will arise basically will help help and will make this movement of helping industries to become more automated and more artificial intelligent we believe that's the path we believe that's the need at the moment and in portugal we have and south of europe we have interesting talent that are in a good position to uh, offer good solutions to those problems. Um, so it's also understanding that we need to deliver and invest in things that the market is looking at. And uh, which companies are VC compatible or best served by venture capital funding? Well, different businesses uh, require different sources of capital. So the best, I think the major learning that we need to take in consideration or the major understanding that we need to have is the source of capital needs to be aligned with the strategy of the company. So that's imperatives. Uh, for VC funding, we understand that highly qualified and specialized teams um, are our targets so uh, that the ones that have no access to traditional forms of funding because they are looking to and they have solutions that need huge amounts of financing to promote exponential exponential growth and a global scale so that's really important vcs fund large scale and exponential growth like the virus <laughs> that we know uh, so well you can have um, uh, you can find a team that have the has the ambition and uh, it has a quality has a a good set of uh, skills but if you don't have an advantage in your business or a defensible technology that will be capable of serve uh, users or companies at a large scale. Uh, if you don't have that, it would be very difficult to raise money from VCs. So that's something you need to consider. And whenever you're looking for funding, you need to understand first and foremost, what's your strategy, what's your business, and then look for the type of capital that will serve you the best. 
and not on the opposite. Usually we see people looking for a lot of people looking for VC funding, but not really understanding what that means and what for uh, what VC funding is for. And um, you work uh, with companies that are, or with projects actually, that are in a very early stage of uh, their development. Um, what are the main weaknesses when you normal that you normally detect when you uh, speak with these young entrepreneurs that are trying to raise VC in these very very early stages? First of all, there's one thing that really important is uh, are you investment ready or not to talk to a VC so and do you need to raise money from a VC that would be my if uh, I put myself on the shoes of the entrepreneur and the founders uh, that would be probably the questions that I will be asking myself uh, am I ready to do this do I really need this money we need to be honest to ourselves, right? And face reality. Uh, one thing that is very hard to see it's, is people forcing the reality and trying a situation that is not real or feasible. If you don't have a company that will match the criteria for this type of funding, uh, please understand that it's not nothing against yourself, but it's just the way the things are. And I understand especially in Portugal, it's very hard to have, if you want to build a business, uh, a small business, or if you want to kickstart a, a new project, it's very hard to find funding and very hard to have someone backing you. So I understand it's very appealing to look at VCs and to see if they could fund your business. So other aspect that is really important is understanding if you're pitching to the right person or to the right investor. So you need to know who is in front of you, uh, meaning who is the person, what the motivation, what kind of motivations they have to invest, what's the thesis of the firm or the, the investment focus and what's the stage. You need to do your homework and understand uh, who are uh, in front of you. That's very, very important. Then, again, it's related to this, is the lack of preparation and market knowledge. So usually you see a lot of people that lack preparation, that don't prepare, don't know the market that they are trying to enter well, and they simply ignore the competition, and they seem working, they seem that they are working around their idea but not understanding the big picture and that's really really important uh, because usually VCs they they spend all the time speaking to entrepreneurs uh, listening to pitches um, uh, reading about the trends reading about the opportunities so they have a lot of information and they will expect you to be an expert in the market. So the lack of preparation, it's something that turns the VC off, definitely. Then the lack of focus, overload of information without a focus that shows that you can, can, you're probably lost and you have so many ideas, but you're not grasping 
the essential. So that's something that is very confusing and you, and we see that a lot even on interesting I, people with interesting ideas, interesting projects or very high tech, uh, but they have, they show a, a, a enormous anxiety to tell everything that they have been thinking of. That's not the best way to approach um, because it can show a little bit of confusion and lack of prioritization and lack of focus. So that's not definitely not a good impression the, that you will leave if you do that. Um, But imagine that in front of you, there's this young entrepreneur that has a solid and strong project and the pitch is great, okay? Mm -hmm. So he goes to this venture round and gets funding. Mm -hmm. What does this mean for this entrepreneur, but also for the investor? You know, expectations versus reality. What happens in this relationship between these two people? Well, um, if you have uh, the opportunity to close a, a round, it's first of all, it's good news, right? Um, you have uh, um, allow the the ability to start working. That's the the first um, priority, I guess. So it becomes real. You now are a business owner because it's not a project anymore, especially with the first funding. You have now a company, a formal company, you have investors. You also have a long-term commitment um, with those people, with those investors. So that's something you need to take care of. And you need to, um, to trust them that's very important and to be trustworthy i think it's the it's really the fundamental of a, a relation that starts in any case but in business also so when you get you get the opportunity to have funding from an investor that's uh, the, rela the taking care of the relation i think it's the one of the most important things mm -hmm. and you have now the commitment of putting the capital at work so you now need to work to be fast in terms of execution and act with responsibility and understand the liabilities and all the consequences that come with money because they're, they're not giving you money there's no such things as free lunches right and whenever you get the funding it's a huge responsibility you must understand that the investor is deploying the money with a with a potential return in mind mm -hmm. so uh, you have all eyes on you and what is the investor role in this uh, time in this very beginning I'm going to share what I think it should be but it also could depend on the profile of the investor you have investors that are more like to focus on deploying capital and then see what will uh, the uh, entrepreneur do, uh, do in the future and you have more active investors um, so but this essentially the role of the investor is to back the founders so is to support the founders and expand augment their strength that's at least what an entrepreneur should expect whenever i choose an investor 
and have these people on board with me, they need to be meaningful and they need to add something to the company. Definitely the role of the investor is not managing the company or to be a decision maker. So because if of you these... ask the art questions, it's uh, to um, be present. It's to basically add value with the experience uh, and knowledge that they have to help solve the problems uh, that will definitely appear along the way because it's part of the, the day of an entrepreneur is basically solving problems and, and conflicts and also it's important to expand the company in terms of fundraising and networking it depends on the investor but for at the earliest stage the work that we do is basically being alongside the entrepreneur in different work streams so from the hiring to the fundraising to the business development to things like legal contracts and help them navigate the first contracts with sales contracts for instance or to help them understand how can they develop a business partnership with some important partner it's advice but it's also almost like helping them to become uh, uh, professionals as a as a, as a founder team, as a CEO, a COO, or a CTO, you need, at the earliest stage, you need to be um, a shadow in some sense, and also be on the backstage to help them acquire the skills they need to be uh, become a professional team, but also fundable. Uh, so the next step is always to get more funding, more financing. So they will definitely need to grow as a team. Um, that's that's the most important part. Okay. Uh, so let's just go back to that moment when you have this young entrepreneur uh, right in front of you and you are going to negotiate deal terms uh, to, to a contract. What do's and don'ts should uh, this uh, young entrepreneur not do and do not? Well, when you're negotiating with a VC, um, sometimes it's not easy because you, as an entrepreneur, can uh, lack a lot of information. So, first of all, my advice is prepare. You need to have access to standard terms because the industry has a lot of information available uh, about what it, what in, it is to uh, have a standard term term sheet what are the standard terms of investment what are the the fair ones also and you need to study and understand the business on that perspective also you need to get advice from other entrepreneurs it's very important to get feedback not only from the vc you're negotiating with but also what specifically what were the pains and the practices that the entrepreneurs that were already funded and already negotiated with VCs um, they were applying so you need, you need to learn from the others it's the, one of the best ways to do it and ask people if you don't understand you need to ask sometimes get advice from a lawyer but sometimes 
really ask even to the investor you having the negotiations. So it's ask, be transparent and get referrals. Also important to check the background of the VC, assuming that you are in different uh, positions. So you should be also get, doing some due diligence uh, and taking all the information you can uh, about um, the, the investor. Um, but basically, you should. what you shouldn't do as an entrepreneur is trying to push the conditions, trying to be based on not such a real scenario in terms of valuation uh, and trying to negotiate without having no idea of the market, not understanding or engage with the vesting terms. So uh, the vesting part is very important. It's the, the part of the contract or the term sheet that you need. It elaborates on the, um, the time that you need as a founder to be uh, committed to the company. Uh, and it relates to the access that you'll have to your own shares. So it's very important to understand that. The lack of alignment between founders, it's also something that you need to be very concerned about. So you and your team, you need to be really aligned. You shouldn't show uh, up at a negotiation without being aligned with your founder. Also, one thing that is very important is sh if you go shopping around and try to get a better term sheet using the investor's proposal, sometimes it's not the best option because the market is very small and it's like a lack of confidence and also it's not respecting the confidentiality that it's needed in the process. Okay. So that can, can really injure and hurt the relation with the investor. So you mm -hmm. should be re really aware of, of that, I okay. think, basically. And, uh, can we determine the success of a startup by its level of funding or can funding be the main goal for an entrepreneur? Uh, because we are always seeing these companies, they say, okay, we raised uh, millions, etc. But sometimes that it's not the only uh, criteria for success, is it? No, it, it just means now that you have someone believing in your business and they are paying to help you make it real. So it's not a price or... Uh, I know what you're mentioning, I, I understand that we, we all have met people probably that seem to be running after a prize or personal validation while fundraising, which is not the case. Uh, if you raise one million dollars just mean, or one million euros just means that you are liable for that and you shouldn't act as if your business is already making one million in profit, right? So that's something that it can happen, but when you raise money, um, I mean, you're accepting a long-term commitment with professional investors who are expecting returns. Uh, that's basically the meaning of that, uh, but you must be also aware that they know the risk they are embracing, basically, but um, that's not success. Raising money is just an opportunity to execute your uh, your business idea it's and just so for an investor what are the measures of success 
Well, for an investor, we have a 10-year cycle usually. So what we want at the, the end of the 10-year cycle is be successful, which means we need to return to our investors the expected returns or exceed the expectations. Uh, it's only by doing that we are, will be able to uh, continue to fundraise and continue to fund uh, to be a fund manager for the long term. So that's our overall uh, metric or measure uh, for success. But in order to have that, we need to uh, to build and to back a balanced portfolio. So uh, in terms of a successful portfolio for us would, would mean um, a balance of companies with grow, ex, that show exceptional and uh, exponential growth. Uh, but also we know that we need to count and understand that we will have uh, many setbacks and potential failures, but we need to know how to manage that in a balanced way. So success for us is also to know how to manage in a good way what doesn't go so well, uh, or at least as expected, because it comes with the job we are uh, dealing with failures all the time mm -hmm. so we need to know and understand how to manage that well also it's part of the success okay so we cannot talk about investment and funding uh, nowadays without mentioning the current uh, context so the COVID-19 pandemic is causing major disruption and a global crisis is not anymore an hypothesis but a reality what does this mean for entrepreneurs in terms of finding investors and investment? What is going to change in your opinion? We're all living in the moment. It's, it's very hard to understand what we're going to, where we, are we going to be in the next year, for instance. But based on what we're dealing right now also with our portfolio and talking to other investors and understanding the market um, we know that at least for the next year we see a lot of investors being more risk averse which is some kind of um, normal right and they are probably will reserve more money for the current portfolio so they will start to understand how can they support uh, eventual uh, eventually companies that are in in their portfolio and need to have more uh, an extended runway and that's fair and this will also impact in terms of the way a new investments can can be made right so we would probably see a more demanding market in terms of uh, criteria for investment and it's usually what happens and it has happened before and this will impact probably the, um, the valuations of the company so we'll see we can we'll continue to see investments and we have a lot of uh, huge funds right now uh, and they have a lot of drive power they can potentially continue to do the activity and continue to back uh, the, the new investments, but they will probably take in consideration different criteria also related to the times that we are um, living right now. 
startups will have to show more, I guess, show more uh, capacity, show more revenue, show more re resilience, and also focus on uh, sustainability, which is something that usually we don't see a lot, but we talk a lot. Probably that would be something to be uh, focus being you need to focus as a startup founder in the next years at least so in the last crisis that sometimes great opportunities uh, come from this uh, different uh, these difficult times you know necessity is the mother of invention right mm -hmm. so uh, probably uh, we will see uh, more uh, creativity and more innovation in the next uh, months and years we I don't know, do you think that when we look up to what's happening, we see a lot of innovation going on, pharmacy, healthcare, um, what do you think that the next months are going to be in terms of innovation? Well, I, I think you're right. I think probably when we look back uh, to the, the last crisis, you, you can find a lot of companies such as Airbnb or uh, Uber, all the sharing economy and a lot of other companies, even the ones that we are now using a lot like Zoom or other tools for communication that were basically um, the result of uh, the, the last crisis we had. Uh, a lot of people with problems with um, their mortgages and so and also people earning less money and the wages were going down and need, the need to add more money to your uh, um, uh, to pay your dis uh, month uh, monthly expenses so sharing economy and uh, Airbnb were basically some of the solutions that were uh, part of the that that crisis and it helped a lot in terms of the the way we managed to get out of the crisis but also it were it was uh, a time where um, now we can see uh, a lot of value in those solutions even f to hem have a kind of good response to this crisis so I would say that now in the future we all talk talk about health, uh, and of course it's a main concern. But we've been in this industry, and health has been a trend for a long time. So it's not new to invest in healthcare solutions and digital solutions for health. Uh, not. Uh, the same for remote working. We have mm -hmm. been dealing with remote working and the future of work for a long time and PCs have been investing in those fields for a long time. But now you, we see, I'm not sure this will, will eventually happen, but we see now we see a lot of uh, industries in such a fragile and vulnerable position such as tourism, such as uh, all things related to um, restaurants and other type of uh, industries that we know so well here in Portugal and are in a, such a fragile situation and such also entertainment. The question is, there's so many problems to solve in those industries right now that certainly will be an opportunity to 
uh, help them and to find solutions to help them survive through this new type of world that we're going to live. So looking to those problem, looking into those problems and into those industries that are now suffering and trying to help, I think with technology, I think would be really interesting in the future to see what could, can come up for entertainment industry from this uh, crisis or for tourism. What can we, how will be, will be uh, the traveling industry in the future? Um, and how technology can help them. Okay. And um, changing subject now, you are a woman and you are an investor. Yes. Can you tell us a bit more about your personal experience? What is it like to be a woman investor in Portugal? Because there aren't many investors and especially women, right? Right, that's correct. Indeed, I am a woman, I confirm, and I am an investor. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, it's... As you were saying, it's a lonely, sometimes a lonely path because we are in the intersection of technology and financing, usually industries with that lack a lot of gender balance, uh, indeed. Um, well, in Portugal, we have, it's also a small industry. We have a couple of uh, uh, VC firms and business angels that have women on board. So. Uh, even people with very more experience. So I'm remembering um, from Patena, Luisa, Luisa Ribeiro, or even from Busy Angels, Lourdes Gramacho, or the, the angel investor, Isabel Neves. So you have, they are experienced professionals. And I think for them, probably it was a different world when they started. But as of now, I think I have a, I mean, it's normal to be the only girl in the room. And I, even nowadays, it's not the ideal scenario, uh, but I see a clear evolution. I'm, I think it, it's a good time to be in this industry. It's a good time to make, to act and to um, try to change things. Sometimes it can be frustrating, I guess, especially for me personally, It depends also on the personality of, that you have. I mean, it's frustrating for me in certain situations, namely in terms of when we're doing networking, for instance. It's, this industry revolves around networking. It's all about networking. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's not the best. I, I don't like that, honestly, because it's... Uh, um, I prefer to do networking, working with um, entrepreneurs uh, compared to do networking with peers or co-investors or LPs. It's for me. I'm not. I don't feel the fit. Okay. I'm not. I don't match the, the stereotype or the the type of people that usually walk around the room. Not only because I'm a woman, but because I'm not from the financing industry or I'm not an engineer so uh, sometimes it's two layers <laughs> too many layers to to try to to get um, the connection uh, and, and as you know it's a male white male middle-aged and conservative industry um, I need it still boring at the network and the, the conversations i mean i 
don't relate much to that. I need, in general, we need more diversity, not only more women, but we need more diversity. We need people from different backgrounds, we need people from different universities, we need people with different mindsets, because the, the challenge that we're facing and the type of business that we are trying to back and that will help build the future or the next generation of businesses is very complex. It needs that and needs diversity and different types of different a different type of um, calibration in decision making. Mm -hmm. So as of now, what I can do is I feel the responsibility to empower female founders and promote the investor, the investment in women-led uh, companies or at least in projects that are gender balanced. Uh, so that's, I think, for the, for the women that are working in this space and have the opportunity to work within this space and this field, I think the best we can do uh, instead of talking, because I'm not uh, I like to talk, but I like, I like to act more. <laughs> so it's to look for fun, to, to fund uh, more women and to change this from within. I think that's the opportunities to make more um, capital available to women and to make more, uh, give them the access uh, to, to build their uh, um, businesses and to have equal terms and equal um, access to, to all the opportunities that you can have in this industry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's pretty much my, my opinion. Well, Sophia, thank you very much for this conversation and for your advices today in this podcast for the center. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joanne. It was a pleasure. This was the first episode of Talk About Podcast the world of investment and investors with Sophia Sanchez. She gave us great insights about the reality of venture capital in a broader sense, but also specifically about the Portuguese reality. Sophia told us what an investor expects from an entrepreneur and what responsibility comes with funding. She also highlighted the need for diversity in the startup business, not only of gender, but also of knowledge. Of course, we also talked about the current crisis and what impact can have in investment strategies, with Sophia pointing out the need for real sustainable business practices. Thank you for listening. Talk about podcasts.